0: all right the 2022 world cup series is really heating up and this weekend saw some insane racing at round three in leergang in austria you're listening to my post-race show supported by max's tires and i'm going to be joined by elliot jackson and Nico malali to get the inside line on what went on over the weekend we'll be chatting about the track the conditions and delving into some of the standout performances of the weekend Maxxis is synonymous with racing and is the name that comes to mind when you think of performance. It's no surprise that they've won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup and EWS racing. No matter where or how you ride, Maxxis has got the tyres for you, with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. I raced the EWS 100 last weekend in the Tweed Valley and I used the Asagai 2.5 Max Grip with the new Exo Plus casing up front, paired up with a DHR Double Down Max Terra on the back. For me, they were the perfect combo of grip and support with all-day pedalability. Maxis are also going to be giving away some awesome stuff throughout the season, and for this round, you've got a chance to win some super special 20th anniversary Minion socks and gloves. All you need to do is to share the episode in some way on Instagram, and make sure that you tag me at Downtime Podcast, and at MaxisBike in the story so that we can pick a winner. You can check out the entire range of Maxxis tyres over at Maxxis.com and find the tyres from your local Maxxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Maxxisbike. I'd love you to get involved in my Pinkbike Fantasy DH League that I've set up especially for downtime listeners. It's free to join, there's going to be some downtime merch and hopefully some kit from Nico and Elliot for the winner at the end of the season. Head over to pinkbike.com, click on Fantasy DH in the menu bar and create your team. Once you have it, click Join League and you'll find us near the top of that list. There's no password required so it's super easy to do and it'd be great to see you all there. After Gang, the lead has changed with Thick CC Boy taking the lead on 2,012 points, closely followed by Monarch and Richie Thornhill. All right, it's time to get stuck into this post-race chit-chat with Elliot Jackson and Nico Mullally. All right, Elliot Jackson and Nico Mullally, welcome back. It's Gang post-race show, Sunday afternoon, lots went down, super exciting race once again. Before we dig into this week, uh, Nico, we'll start with you. You've been pretty hectic since the last uh, race, sorry, updates to the bike. Uh, plenty of racing going on. How's it been? Yeah, it's
1: been good. It's only been two weeks, but uh, I went home and raced in National after Fort William. I always like to support the U.S. races. There's not a whole lot of them anymore, so I think it's important to to go there and race, and it's good for the amateurs and the kids coming up to have good pros there. So I enjoyed going there to race. It was mixed conditions. It rained. It dried. I thought it was good practice and time on the bike, And then the following weekend, I went to Snowshoe and raced one of our Downhill Southeast races, which I thought was another good experience for me, just to get laps on the track at Snowshoe. Um, The track was a little different, but they used the same bottom half with the big rock garden and everything. So I think it was good to get time on my bike on that track on a race weekend when the track's clean. Um, The European guys get to ride these tracks a lot, so I thought I'd take advantage of it and, and do it while we have a World Cup in the U.S. And I got a couple new versions of my frame delivered down there to Snowshoe that I brought over here to Europe to race with. Um, Didn't really change anything on the geometry or the kinematic, but we were getting a, a small stress crack under the top tube right where it joins the head tube. So we put a side gusset on it to strengthen the bike up a little bit. And then we just made a couple other pieces a little bit more efficient to build and less chance for things to become misaligned. So they're easier to make. They're easier to make perfect. So, uh, yeah, stoked to make pr- productive two weeks there and uh, and then come over here for Leo game.
0: Definitely, man. Yeah, you've been busy. And, and Elliot, you uh, you flew straight into the eye of the storm. I saw you sliding your way down a very slippery track earlier in the week. How was it? It looked pretty, uh, pr- looked pretty minging out there, to be fair. Yeah,
2: man. I, um, I wanted to quit like i don't know i i was having such a bad time on practice day on the first day it was like really 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 cold really rainy really windy um and emmanuel who does the filming and editing producing and stuff for the um red bull videos he was like i kept hearing throughout the week he's like people saying like yeah emmanuel said that you were like unhappy and he had never seen it before and like (laughs) it was really strange and like all this stuff but yeah by the time I got like halfway down the track on the track walk it wasn't that bad so I cheered up but it was uh it was crazy like I think our well actually first of all before I like get into that uh that is so cool that (laughs) you're like racing the US Nico and then like being like ah we've got a little stress crack here so we're developing some new stuff (laughs) like I think that that's, like, amazing. Um, But, yeah, so this race for us was... um, We kind of have been doing theme things. So I wasn't commentating this race. uh, But for the highlight video or whatever, we've been developing themes. So Lords was uh, the team. Fort William was fitness. And then this race was, like, mentality. And... I thought it was interesting because it was so mentally taxing, like from a run standpoint to kind of a weekend standpoint where the first day was super rainy, muddy kind of thing. Second day the track was like super destroyed. And then the, you know, final stay you had to figure out what to do on a track that you would kind of never ridden before. So it was it was I thought it was really fascinating, fascinating weekend, fascinating race and
0: Good to good to be here. Good stuff, and the sun is finally shining, so that's that's all good. The weekend's well. Nika, give us your thoughts on the track this year. It looked uh, it looked pretty similar from what I saw on the on the live feed, but talk us through it from your perspective.
1: Yeah, for the most part, it was the same track as we raced really the past two years for Worlds in 2020, and then last year at the World Cup. This year, they just they and they always mark it a little different with how they put the poles in. The, the main route of the track is a bike park trail, and then they tape it a little bit offline with bus stops to go over some of those stumps and things like that to just make it a little bit more technical and, and really to slow it down because it's a pretty fast track, at least the top half uh, for the World Cup. So this year they, they actually didn't make it as janky as they sometimes do. It's tough to, to read how that stuff's going to ride when they place the poles, and until it develops, you don't know if it's really going to make – for multiple line choices and slow it down or just make it feel kind of tight and awkward. And it can go either way. Sometimes in years past, it's been tight and awkward, but this year it was more straightforward. There wasn't as many weird lines or like weird things taped in. Um, the placement of the poles was pretty straightforward, but then when it rained, it rained, I guess, after track walk. And then the whole practice day, the the main lines that would have been straightforward if it was nice out became so rough like the holes got so deep as you compressed and dropped off some of those stumps or some of the root sections so the top half of the track was rougher than we ever seen it and it was taped probably the most straightforward and easiest so then the the challenge was to get around some of those holes and lines developed and there was three or four lines in, in each section to miss the main line because it was so deep and rough so it was pretty cool I thought that that ended up working out really well, but it was kind of just happenstance for the weather. Um, And and then the bottom woods, I guess it's the third year for it now, so it's a little bit more bedded in. I I thought it held up better than it had, but it still brings back memories of the war two years ago every time I (laughs) go through there.
0: Awesome. And Elliot, where was the puzzling kind of taking place on track this time? Was there particular sections that people were spending a lot of time and effort on? Or was it the general puzzle? Like what was going to happen overall with weather and conditions?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I um, I felt like at the top, like at the top, there was actually a much less puzzling than there ever had been because of what Nico said. So everything was like relatively straightforward. And so you didn't have I think it was a little bit cold as well but you didn't have um you didn't have like a bunch of people stopping at the stumps you didn't have a bunch of people um like kind of stopping in general up there and then at the bottom I feel like it was kind of you know in years past I'm trying to remember there's like a couple of places like a lot of people look at that first kind of gap jump into the into the woods after the wall ride um and there's a couple people stopping there but felt like once you kind of get into the woods you should just keep going like maybe you kind of stop there and look or whatever uh but that wood section i think is a lot trickier than people think it is because you you have to keep like a really high average speed through it and as soon as you kind of lose your speed then everything is ruined where like there are these kind of flattish parts where um Kind of little little traverses that are maybe only like two or three seconds long but if you don't have speed there then you get hung up coming into the next section you're losing a bunch of speed like your bike's not working right like everything kind of goes wrong so yeah it seemed like overall um i didn't really hear too much like bike setup stuff until actually the last day and that was kind of when everyone was like oh my god my bike is is off right like we're going way faster than we were stuff like that
0: yeah 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 Nico take us through bike setup from your perspective both kind of I guess suspension side of things but also tire choice throughout the weekend because I'm guessing there was a bit of a bit of chopping and changing throughout the week maybe
1: yeah I would say uh first really two days it was it was almost survival getting down the track so like Elliot said we didn't really worry about the bikes too much like you were just trying to hit your lines and worried about Riding and figuring out where you were going, and it was hard to feel the the, the fine details of the bike because of the conditions being so wet and muddy. Um, like if you ever try to do a test session in the mud, you don't normally feel much. So it was, yeah, not much messing with the bike, and then almost a guess for race run because it had dried up so much even between practice and the race. Um, but I'd say, like tire wise. The track here has got a lot of gravel on it, like a lot of the the deeper dirt that they use to build the top section, where where it is part of the bike park trail. Or they bring in like a gravelly base to put over some of the berms, and a lot of the and, a, and surface a lot of the trail. That stuff's like almost like Fort William, where it's better when it's wet. So that top really half of it was pretty all weather and and like pretty good grip aside from a few spots the first off camber and maybe a little bit of the stump sections where they taped it for the race and then the bottom half is like all just mud and sticky and super deep so you almost want to like switch tires halfway down if you can but it's 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 just a trade-off between like do you want to run a shorty or a mud tire that's going to work really well in the bottom woods or a dry tire that's going to run better on the top half and then in the woods, it's going to pack up a little more, um, maybe not have as much grip in that mud down there. So I, I tried both in practice on the first day and it was raining. So the mud was thinner and I like the dry tire better. I was, uh, I actually also tried, um, we have access to the 2.5 DHR2s as max athletes and I tried that and also the stock 2.4, which seems like a small difference. It's like two millimeters different tire width. But the narrower tire, I felt like cut through the mud just a little bit better. Um, so I, I went with that and I kind of stuck with it all weekend. And I wasn't really sure in Quali because it kind of got sunny an hour before Quali run. If maybe running the dry tire when the mud was more thin when it had been raining that morning, was working better than if once the sun hit it just for a little bit, if it was gonna t- like cake up and become more peanut buttery, if maybe going to a mud tire would be better, but I just stuck with the dry and I thought it was the right choice for me. Um, it was interesting, I talked to Greg, just the today after the, where we were riding in the bike park and I was like, man, you think the shorty was like the wrong choice? Cause he obviously smashed that wall ride and G'd out. And he was like, no, I think that it would have worked like if I could be within a few seconds on the wall ride with the shorties, I thought I could have gained more time in the bottom woods. I guess that's what Troy did last year. And that's what his strategy was. So it was kind of like the opposite strategy to mine where I thought the dry tire was going to be faster at the top and then no tire would be good in the woods. So I would just get through <laughs> on the dry tire and I thought it might go across the roots a little better. Um, but I guess it's just a mindset, like whatever your strategy is and and your plan, like that's going to be better for you. So I guess those are interesting that his was the opposite, but two different ways to look about it. And then uh, on race day, I went to a stiffer spring as well. It kind of got running much faster than it had been. And and with some of those deeper holes, you're like almost dropping off ledges into holes. And I felt like even the bottom section where it was still muddy, you're almost dragging pedal on like G out holes that had developed. So I went from a 550 spring to a 575 spring, and I went before practice to Jordy and was like, Hey, I only have two runs, I can't really mess with it. Um, I just got to make a decision and go, Should I go in on compression or should I go up in spring rate? He was like, Well, you could kind of do either one. Uh, you know, just as well as I do, like, what do you think is going to be better? Do you want more support the whole way through the travel or? just uh with hydraulic like from mid-stroke and i was like uh probably the whole way will be good it's running faster so i went with the stiffer spring and it it felt a lot better i mean a little better but in racing a little is a lot so sat the bike up more in the ruts and also was stiffer through some of those holes and i thought carried speed a lot better too so two of the two little things that i played with over the weekend were spring rate and tires
0: Good stuff. That's super interesting, man, and awesome. Uh, awesome to see you getting through qualities this time, getting your clean run down, and getting to to take part in the big show. Like it's it's been a rough couple of races for you getting where you need to be or where you want to be and getting the bike through to the final which has been your kind of goal I guess like how how did it feel going into this week and how did that pan out from your perspective yeah
1: for sure the first two was just kind of I guess bad luck but that's racing like when you come here and race it's it's harder than you think it's going to be it, it always is so broken finger for the first race flat tire at the second race and you know I put this whole program together and it just it, it wasn't the Cinderella story that I had imagined it to be, but uh, but that's why you come to the World Cup and prove it at the top level. Because when you when you are able to do well eventually, then it then it means a lot more. So uh, yeah, this weekend I just wanted to try to get that monkey off my back and not worry about it. And sometimes you you start getting your head a little bit when you have two bad experiences in a row. And um, I just want to get a good, clean qualifying run. in. I felt like. This track, if you could just get a, a solid run, there was going to be enough weird stuff happening to people with how treacherous the woods was. That uh, a clean, like when when I raced Worlds here, I didn't feel like I had a fast run. I just rode with my feet on the pedals the whole time, and I got 20th place. So I was like, okay, just have a clean run in quality and should be able to get through. And uh, ended up crashing, but still made it in. Um, I was on a, a pretty good run in my qualifying. I think I would have been um, close to the top 20, which would have been nice. I, I knew it was like scheduled to be sunny the next day. So to get a later start would have been better. And to be on a good run for quality and and headed that direction was going to be good. But, um, lucky I managed to squeak in even with the crash, had an earlier start in the final. So I think it would have been, you know, you could do the same run an hour later and, and go a little bit quicker, which would have been a couple places, which would have been nice. But, um, everybody had the opportunity to, get a later start by doing a good qualifying run and and I just happened to crash so it was it was uh my fault there but nevertheless had a good clean run and ended up 32nd place which was solid uh something to build from for sure and uh, yeah hopefully this gets the momentum going in the right direction
0: good stuff man where was your crash very quickly before we take a little question from Elliot
1: yeah entering the woods like I think most people listening to this probably would have watched the broadcast where you hit the wall ride hit that ruddy turn and jump into the woods. I uh, In Quali, I just jumped in and was headed to like miss that bridge and turned hard to make it and just washed the front and kind of crashed into the uphill of the bridge. So I ran the bridge, was ripping my tear-offs while I was running and hopped <laughs> back on the seat without my feet on the pedals into the next section. And at that point, I kind of had to think like, okay, don't rush and make a mistake because if you crash again you're probably not going to qualify but hurry up and that's kind of like a stressful (laughs) spot to be. um but luckily i wrote it clean and um and had a few seconds to spare to make it in so i was yeah relieved
0: good stuff man elliot um
2: i have i have so many questions actually uh First of all, uh, yeah, it was like crazy cool to see Nico going so fast. I was um, watching, I watched the live feed from kind of the announcer's tower and they show all the runs on that, on the feed because they film everything. And uh, I saw this dude coming down. I was like, damn, like, who is this guy? It looks good. And then I, like, rewinded back to the start. and I was like, oh, my God, that's Nico. Like, damn. <laughs> that's good. It's, like, looked really good, like, super aggressive. And, yeah, looked like the bike was working good and everything. Um, and, like, I was saying that our, like, theme was mentality this week. And, um, well, actually, before, before I get to that, because we can maybe cover that, on the uh, on the winners but the thing it's interesting you mentioned greg because i was uh, he told me that too that he was trying to you know make up the time in the bottom and one of the things that i noticed so much and i don't know if it was like a tire thing or like a suspension thing but like people were like overshooting their breaking points a lot like you saw so many people like getting stood up in the turns and like going over ruts and stuff like that. Uh, And I know it's like, it's just hard in general, but it seemed like if you would have had more braking on some of those steeper sections to like get your braking and then turn. And I, when I was thinking about it um, after Greg had said that, I was like, Oh, I wonder, you know, if people got used to like getting their braking points with spikes and then went to dry tires and like, you know, their breaking points were were not in the right spot. So I don't know if if you kind of had thought about that or if like if the turns and the ruts and stuff like that were just were just hard or like it just felt like it was a really common mistake.
1: Yeah, I I guess for me, like I rode the dry tires most of practice. So I was used to the breaking point with those tires. But I think maybe at least during the race, I don't know if you saw it in practice or just the race, but the the con- cha- the conditions were changing enough where it was hard to predict how much grip there was and it being in the woods and in the shadows like some spots were better than others so you had to obviously like be as close to the edge as you could if you wanted a good time but then you're kind of guessing the grip so it's easy to overcook that and and miss the breaking points and and if you do happen to like be late on a breaking point but get one turn and then you're faster. Through that turn than you expected you're almost spat into the next section even faster and there's roots that are pinballing you one way or the next that you can't slow down on so it's almost like once you drop into that wood section there's not that many breaks you're like you're, you're just along for the ride
2: somewhat
0: yeah totally interesting stuff yeah and i guess like you said if you've not you've not been able to ride the track at that speed really all week And then suddenly you're having to go full race run in the best conditions where the speed is really possible. I guess it's hard for everyone to kind of recalibrate to where, yeah, like you say where the grip is, but also where the braking is because you're going to have to brake earlier and or harder, I suppose. Yeah.
1: I think that's where like teams that test a lot and have good experience come into play where you can almost just like open the notebook and say, okay, what's the setting Mm -hmm. for this situation and then go with it. So Whereas guys that were kind of guessing on their setup might've been a little bit less confident in it. Um, I don't know. I felt when I dropped in for my quality run, like I didn't know if I was making the right choice on tires and I, and after, after the race talking with other guys, I think a lot of people were in that boat where they were dropping in on their run, not sure if they were on the right setup. So it's something that happens at, at world cup races all too often. Like there's such a break between practice and, and race that uh you have to predict the condition and set the bike up for your race run that you might not have been able to practice and and make the adjustments for.
0: Yeah, fair play. Well, yeah, let's talk about some of that racing and we'll start off with the with the junior women. Uh, Phoebe Gale took her first win of the season. Uh something she's been kind of threatening for for a while. Certainly looked like it was was doable in Fort William but didn't quite come together. And in the end it was an almighty win by 14 seconds which would have put a fourth in elite women as well Elliot, in potentially worse conditions do you think earlier in the day
2: yeah i think i think i would think so like you could argue that um the bottom maybe was better i don't i have no idea but like nico was saying uh at the top like even in one category the amount of time that passed like allowed the track to dry up so much like you know, the first riders that came down at Elite Men to, like, the last riders, like, there's dust coming up. Like, even on that off-camber, like, the first couple of riders kind of, like, going low, and you're like, yeah, cool. And then by the end, I think it was probably, like, almost a game-time decision because I don't think that that really, really high line was even maybe viable until finals run. Uh, and I think, like, probably a lot of people just, like, took that. So, yeah, I think it's, like... Crazy! What what Phoebe's able to do. We did a little kind of like sit down with her at Fort William, um, and I think that that like environment for her is like really good. It's actually fascinating because like I think a lot of the junior women have like a really good environment right now, um, where like Phoebe having Tani and just like you know having Tony actually as well, uh, Tony Seagrave, knowing what it's like to bring a girl up, uh, and like what she needs to perform and things like that. And, and then, uh, Jenna Hastings as well, like on the pivot team, I think, uh, has this really cool environment where like, you know, Bernard is super chill. I was talking to Jenna's dad actually last night and he was like, man, (laughs) it's kind of gnarly, like sending your daughter, your 17 year old daughter overseas, uh, and, and just like hoping for the best or whatever, you know, but, I think that that's why it means so much because I remember when I first kind of started racing, you're, you're growing as like a person and you're trying to race and you're trying to do all these other things and learn what it means to, you know, be on camera. Like I interviewed Jenna at Fort William and, I couldn't get more than like a yes or no <laughs> out of her. And then she like did some vlogs or something for Bernard. And then like this race, I interviewed her and she was like, Yeah, you know, just been working hard and I'm feeling pretty good. blah, blah, blah. And nice. so I think you just see this this growth and um just having that opportunity as as a junior women. Um, and like you said, like it's just so competitive and it's there's more junior women and they're like you said, closer to elite too. It's like similar to the junior men now.
0: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, we can't not talk about the junior men. Jordan Williams takes another win. Incredible performance by him. Uh, I don't think they were quite as close to the elite men this time around, but still incredible times that they were laying down earlier in the day. Uh, Jackson Goldstone was second place, but had a a fairly significant crash up in the stump section at the top and was basically catching up time, clawing it back on his way down. I think he was only four seconds back in the end in second place. Nico, another quality battle there, uh, hotting up for the rest of the season, eh?
1: Yeah, for sure. It was awesome to see those guys battling it out again. I think, just like we said in Fort William, it's going to make them both better to have the competition of each other every weekend. Next year, when they go to Elite, they'll be able to hop right in the mix with uh, with the other guys being pushed by each other. So. No, it was cool. And, and Jordan looks awesome on the bike, like watching in practice, like a couple key sections where we're stopped looking at lines. Um, I think it was the first off camera I saw him come through, just so committed, hit hit the line perfect first day of practice. And I was like, cool, that looks like it. I'll do what he did. So um <laughs> really good to see him riding so well.
0: Nice one. All right, good stuff. We'll move on to the, the women's race, which is another incredible showdown. Um, there's some there's loads of riders in there to talk about, I think. We had some really interesting stuff. So Eleonora Farina's had a couple of really good results in a row, um, Elliot. She's she's been kind of working a lot with Ollie Morris. We talked about last time, I think, who's out kind of coaching on track as a rider as well, and helping Eleonora get up to speed quickly. That seems to be paying off. Hopefully there's some confidence coming with that. And a, a third place here, it's uh it's really impressive to see, Hey, eh? She's definitely becoming more and more consistent.
2: Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, it, her trajectory kind of reminds me a bit of like Benoit Coulange, where uh-huh. she's been around a while and she wasn't quite in that top little bit. Like, she, I think she was closer than ben, Benoit was, but she. Uh, I feel like she just has a lot of stuff figured out now. I I, I think the thing that I think about a lot more now than I have and maybe that i have like more insight on is just how the riders are feeling yeah um and like mentality wise and i feel like when i talk to her she is happy (laughs) and i don't really know how else to put that like if if she doesn't get to where she wants to get then she's like okay like i i can do better i'm frustrated uh but that is that is the way you know like that's just how it goes um and and she reminds me a bit of Cammie in that way in that she is also seen as an underdog, right? Like here she is in third place. And, you know, you hear so much about Tani and Miriam and all of these other women, you know, Marine and, and stuff like that. And she's just kind of like ticking it off. Uh, so I think you're right in in that, like, she has a good environment now. You know, she's on a good bike. She's on the, the A team where she was on that uh, kind of B team for a bit on Mondraker. Um, So it just feels like everything's kind of like coming together for her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see. And fourth place is a rider that maybe not so many people know the name, Louise Anna Ferguson. She's from the UK based out of Queenstown at the moment. Uh, There's a podcast interview coming up with her that we recorded last week. So look out for that. Um, She turned up with all sorts of issues. So this is her second ever world cup. Um, I don't think she'd been to Lear gang before. There were flight issues, so she missed the first day of practice and had to go in cold on the day of quali and just get involved and taking away fourth place. I mean, Nico, how hard is that? Turning up at a race you've never been to before, your second ever World Cup, and not even getting the first day of practice under your belt—that's insane. Yeah, eh?
1: I mean, I can't imagine what that would be like. But I guess when you're in that situation, you're like you're almost your backs against the wall. So all you got to do is like go out there and make it happen. And sometimes being in that mindset takes away some of the little worries that you have. Like one of the toughest things at a race is, is that waiting and being here all week and, and thinking about this three minute run. And sometimes when you have other things that are, are kind of bigger issues, you don't worry about the things you shouldn't be worrying about. And maybe that helped her, but uh, awesome that she was able to lay it down. And I think when the track is this technical Uh, a girl that has a lot of the the skill and the technique to get through that bottom section just shows like when when they can ride it they can get a great result when the track's really hard
0: for sure for sure and monica rasnik as well back kind of where we'd started to get used to seeing her in that top five um did you speak to her at all over the weekend elliot
2: I got to talk to her just a tiny bit uh, last night and she was kind of saying, she's like, I was like, oh, you had a, <laughs> I was actually telling her how nice her, her kit looked. And she was like, eh. And I was like, no, not your run, your kit. And uh, cause she had, she had kind of said like, eh, like my run was okay kind of thing. Um, but I do think it was, so I didn't get to really like dive into it, but I do think it was one of those races where there was a shift in mindset to where you, a perfect run here is not a perfect run at like Fort William where a perfect run at Fort William is like, and maybe this year was slightly different, but I think there you're kind of like this super precise kind of like perfect breaking, perfect traction, not trying to slide too much kind of thing. And here you can, f- you never really feel super amazing. Um, you're always having moments and coming unclipped and stuff like that. Uh, but it is really good. It's super good to see her back up there. I feel like she's, um, yeah, she was, like, on it, you know, for, for like, a long string of races. So hopefully that, like, continues on.
0: Definitely. And uh, another frustrating result, I think, for Valley Hole, possibly one that she'd like to forget, uh, a fair-sized crash up our, over on the stumps and then once again kind of stalled out and went over the bars in the woods Nico is that is that just kind of the an example of the deterioration of that lower section is she getting into a big hole there do you think or
1: yeah, I think it was really tough this track for the women because like I said, a lot of the sections got so eroded from the bikes on the course when it was soft that some of the drops after the stumps were like unrollable like it was if you looked at where you'd want to drop onto from a stump that in years past, you just kind of slowed up and rolled over. It was probably like shoulder or head height until your wheels touched the ground again. And a lot of these holes, um, even though it didn't look like it, it was like, that's how far you were falling. And I think for, for the girls, it was just, it was, I mean, for strong men, it was really hard to make it through those sections and, and be able to like get the bike where you want it and not get bucked when you land. So for, for the women, it must have been super hard. And there wasn't really any, like, option, easier line. Like, that was the main line that was that rough. So, um, yeah, I, I bet for them on a full-run race run, like, it it was a tough one for
2: sure.
0: Yeah. Interesting.
2: Going at it. Yeah. I, um, I saw on <laughs> Emily Siegenthaler's story, she had posted a picture. I can't remember which rider it was, but she had, like, posted a little caption, like, you know, Somebody holding it down for the for the short shorter women and like it's in that stump section and like there's nothing she could do. <laughs> like I feel like that was the like the men here had this like super huge height advantage over the women and like Marine crash in that stump section. And uh, that's where Valley crashed too, right? Her first one?
0: Is that right? I think right? it was like higher yeah, up right. in the stumps on the sort of flatter section of it. Yeah. yeah where there's like a little double kind of thing she seemed to hook up
2: there but totally yeah i um i think to me valley like is uh she's like trying to find that balance between being competitive and like (laughs) accepting her fate Mm -hmm. uh i always think about it as like you can only you have like emotional energy you can expend and like i don't know like physical energy you can expend where you're like okay, I really care about this. I'm going to train hard. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to eat right. Like do all this stuff. And the emotional energy like can match it up to a point. Right. But like after a certain point, caring more doesn't get you more. Um, and so I think you talk to a lot of like more experienced riders, and, uh, kind of like I was saying with Eleanor where it's like, yeah, like I, I didn't do what I wanted to do. And, um, yeah i just have to come back next time and things like that and i think valley's like trying to find that balance to say like okay like there will be more races like you know if i don't win right now uh it's going to be okay or like you know if somebody says something about me or, or whatever like it's going to be okay like just having having that maybe confidence or yeah, I don't know. Like, I really do. I just feel like it's a it's a bit of a switch to be like, I have, you th- like, you hear juniors say that or like younger men and women say that, like, oh, I have my whole career ahead of me. But I think that, that saying that and actually believing that is two different things. Um, to just be like, ah, man, like, I'm just going to be consistent, do what I need to do, and it will happen. And I just see her getting so, so frustrated. And it's just it's hard. It's so hard to be that close. And especially at a race like this, where you have so much pressure, um, to, to figure that out. But I think once she kind of navigates that line, she'll be, you know, unstoppable.
0: Yeah. I walked away from what I understand. Okay. Marine cabaret, unfortunately didn't So three broken vertebrae from that crash in the, in the stump section for her. So her kind of run of, unfortunate injuries continues and I guess that means we'll see her out for a reasonable chunk of the rest of the season so all the best to Maureen hopefully she heals up quickly um we'll mention Miriam Nicole didn't do anything massively wrong I don't think just uh she's really getting pushed this year hey Cami has stepped it up and found a real level of technical excellence and consistency that's making her hard to beat it's a it's a tough challenge between between those two at the moment for those top couple of spots huh
2: yeah i feel like (laughs) cammy's just technically crazy good like even miriam said it she's like yeah she's the queen of leo gang um and like you said like it was there was a couple things that maybe she could could have done but it probably wouldn't have made up that time uh and but at the same time, like you know, she's she's right there. Like it's she's in the overall hunt, and you know, all good. And so, uh, you know, Cammy talking to her, it almost reminded me of um, Loic last year, where he was having these moments where he said he wanted to qualify first so that he had like more pressure. And uh, when I talked to her after the race, like she was like, you know, one of my dreams has always been. To qualify first, and and then come down the last woman down the hill, and then have my team and everyone there like in the finish line, like just cheering for me. Because mm-hmm. if you come down second, uh, then you have to wait, right? Like it's a it's a it's a different feeling or a different vibe, I guess. I just say who knows how it feels, but um, I feel like that was something. It's like next level, right? Like it's like, no, I don't want to just win the race. I want to qualify first and I want to come down and I want everyone to be cheering for me and all of this stuff. So it's really cool to see how good she is. And like, you know, like talking about the mentality is just, yeah, it's just crazy. Like she, she has like such the full package. And I think we'll have a really long career if she wants to um even from like an injury standpoint because she she knows what she can do and what she wants to do she knows when she's feeling good she knows when she's feeling bad it's just like a she's just really really in tune with what she's feeling and how she's feeling and like how she's riding so I think that that's something that is uh it's hard to get as an athlete so it's really cool to see her have
0: that for sure. And let's move on to the men's. And uh, good to have Troy Brosnan back. And uh, no messing about there, hey? Did anyone... Did you see him on, on the hill, Nico? Was his ankle strapped? Like, how was he doing physically? I
1: didn't notice his ankle uh, being strapped or not. But, yeah, I saw him. I couldn't tell the him, Luca, or Mark apart, really. They were all riding just steady like they <laughs> normally do. And, uh, yeah, I thought he looked good out there.
0: Yeah, good to see him back, for sure. And uh, Laurie Greenland... A rider that, again, was real kind of excited in Fort William. He seemed to carry that over to here, even though the result that he wanted didn't come through in the fort. Um, Looked pretty ominous with that. I think he was three seconds up at the first split. um, Was miles ahead of everyone else at the top of the track. And then uh, said uh, on the live broadcast, I think, that he'd looped out on a manual over a little route section that he'd never tried to manual before. Elliot, have you seen Laurie around? Have you have you talked about this manoeuvre? I've seen a like a, a very distant clip of it, and a, a, I don't think even he knows what he was doing.
2: I haven't seen it, and I didn't get to talk to him. I, I somebody said something at the finish though, where he was just like, "That was the stupidest thing ever," or something like, like he was just like, "What in the world did I just do?"
0: <laughs> Amazing, but yeah, good to see. I think there's uh, there's some well, hey, serious in form in that up kid up at the, the moment. First that. Split? yeah
2: how do you make
1: that much time yeah. in, like there's not much in that first split it's the first off camera you see on tv and then everybody does the same thing after that so where he could have found three seconds is super impressive yeah, yeah. so
0: he he was 46.41 in the top sector and i think second fastest was angel in 49.44
2: that's insane which is just crazy <laughs> especially if you know the, the track yeah. like where where's he going three seconds yeah
0: right? he, yeah totally Crazy, huh? Incredible. So yeah, we'll see we'll definitely see something in very special from that guy at some point in this season when it all comes together for him. Finn Isles was is back from a concussion. Elliot, did you I think you chatted with him at some point. He seemed to be going really well. I mean, sixth place for Finn, he obviously wasn't happy with, but it's a super solid result coming back from that injury.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he 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 knows what he can do now. Um I, I had him actually for the Win or second, I think I had him. Um, I had Benoit for the win, and then Finn second. And um, yeah, because he just is riding so good. Like it's it's amazing to see him him do that, come back from injury. And I think that that's I think that that's so special. And hopefully, he kind of takes that in, even though I'm sure he would have wanted to get a podium or a win or whatever it was. I think that there is this huge monkey on your back when you're coming back from injury. Um, And you can be confident, but to just know, like, it's like a sigh of relief where you're like, oh my God. Okay. I still have it. Like, all good. we're like, we're on the same trajectory as we were kind of thing. Uh, So I hope that he, hopefully he takes that, but man, he's riding so good.
0: Yeah. It's good to watch. Another rider that might be signed with relief is Aaron Gwynn back in the in the top of it with a, an 11th place, probably still not quite where Aaron would want to be, but after a rough couple of years, uh, that must feel good. Nico, have you seen much of Aaron this weekend?
1: Yeah, I talked to him a bunch. We were staying in the same hotel. I think the big thing is that this isn't the Leo gang that he won three years in a row on. The track's totally different now. It's like people say, this is, they used to say it was a bike park track. It's totally opposite of that. So it's, it's not really bad. his style. Like I think he was like had the seventh split in the wood section or something. Like and that's really good for Aaron. Like it's not normally like he's really good at the high speed, the uh the like not much traction on flat hard pack. Like he's so good at that stuff. Um or, or like the dry rough tracks, but in the mud like that is it's not really Aaron's forte. So um yeah, to pull that result I thought it was super solid and he was just kind of like, yeah, it's, it's all right. Like, and I guess when you've won 20 World Cups, like getting 11th doesn't really <laughs> do much for you. But I was like, dude, this is a step in the right direction. Like, These guys are fast this year, and like, an 11th place is something to build on. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think all in all, he was positive about it, for sure. But uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough spot to be in because like when you're Aaron and you've had the success you've had, unless it's winning, it probably doesn't really feel that great. But um, regardless, like, you got to look at all these guys and and respect how fast they're going and take any time you're able to mix it up with them as a positive and a step in the right direction.
0: Definitely, man. And another rider that's uh, really showing what they're capable of this season is Charlie Hatton. He had some amazing uh, results in in qualifying. and, And to be fair, in the race at Fort William, considering he was riding with a very badly bruised hand there, and, uh, I think he spent most of this week with a pretty horrible sickness bug as well and still managed to slot it into eighth. Uh, it's an impressive performance, eh, Elliot? This, this guy's definitely fine in some form.
2: Yeah, he is, uh, he's cool. He's, he is so cool. Like you talk <laughs> to him and you're just like, oh man, like, can I get your autograph or something? Like, I don't know. Yeah. He just has this kind of like demeanor about him that I, I think is just so cool. Uh, but man he's a great rider I think especially on these really technical tracks um, he's he's really good at like from the UK um, you know rides at Langofflin a lot and and so he um, when it gets when it gets like this he's he's strong um, you see him at like the Fort William Wood section he does really really well at and and also like that team, uh, obviously they've got like the bike working, but I think that, you know, Andreas and, and Charlie are just like vibing really well. I, I talked to, I talked to Colb after the race cause he was in fourth, you know, and I was like the last, the last little bit, um, before he got hurt, actually, I was like, dude, this guy is like living his best life. Like, and I said that to him after in, in our interview and I was like, I feel like you're actually just like you're living so good because he's been around for a little bit and he was Mm. like yeah like everything is amazing right like things couldn't be better and you know marcus peckhole has been coaching him and so at the, you know these races like i'll see him he's just like huge smile on his face like he's riding good i'll see him at the bar and he's just like social butterfly like (laughs) it's just so cool to see so whatever they're doing over there i feel like is working
0: yeah that's good and andreas was like i think he's was on the sidelines at Fort William with a broken elbow. We're only two weeks after that, and he's slotting it into the podium. <laughs> yeah, right. So his first it podium, is. I think the first Austrian podium, I might be wrong, but I think that's what they said.
2: And uh, for the bloody Atherton bike, right? Yeah. That's
0: pretty sweet. I didn't think it that at Yeah. Amazing. I've heard yeah, so a couple
2: riders that you might
1: not expect to have ridden an Atherton bike tell me that the Atherton bike rides really good. So
0: yeah, I'm interested sure yeah, to try yeah. one now. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, on one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, let's let's we can't talk racing without talking Amory Piron. And uh it doesn't seem like it was the race for him this week, but considering everything that went on and and that the result was actually pretty decent. It keeps his overall chances alive. Were there any obvious mistakes? I, I, I don't really see what went wrong for him this week. Was he just not quite on the pace? Anyone got any insight?
2: No, as a as a no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't Do
1: you know how really in qualifying
0: Elliot? Uh He went off course in qualifying and I had to drag the bike around a pole I think to get back on so that's where he lost time there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I did um I did get to talk to him after qualifying and he was um yeah kind of like there was a it, it felt really up and down for for riders like in practice you had the people who were just like hating the weather or whatever. And then you had a couple of other people who were just loving it. Like I talked to Emery, and he was like, Oh, it's, this is amazing. Like you just go and ride with your friends and get wild, get loose or whatever. So, and then after qualifying, when he crashed, like he was like, man, like that was a rough run. Like that wasn't, wasn't what I wanted and and stuff like that. And you, I feel like you rarely see Emery have that big of a swing. Um, but yeah, I mean, he still, like you said, like just made it happen. Like he's on the podium. Uh, his, I think he's one of those people now uh, when we kind of like think of Troy where it's like his bad days are like a podium and then his good days are these incredible wins kind of thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, Angel Suarez back where again, where he's often shown promise to be. I think this is his best ever result though third place showing incredible potential he looked to me anyway from a distance pinpoint accurate on the motorway really seemed to make the most of kind of the downsides there and then took some huge gap into the woods seemed to kind of fly further than anyone else going in there Nico you know Angel pretty well like any thoughts on that performance
1: yeah I'd say well it's his tied for best he also got third at snowshoe last year um but yeah amazing run from him he's been working so hard like he moved to andorra so that he could ride and test more he's fully devoted to to racing and he's so hungry to try to win a race and i think yesterday he he was really close so um yeah big gas to flat on one of those jumps on on the motorway there was like the one over the bridge i over jumped the grab out of it in my race run too but angel went completely to flat and it's Amazing how like terrifying that is. Like you're in the air long enough to yeah. think. That one is terrifying. I'm gonna break my ankles when I land. <laughs> so like he landed that, no problem, didn't break, didn't hesitate. On to the next. And then uh yeah, the gap into the woods. I was like I crashed there in my quality run and was like my brother was out in the track getting some video and stuff for me over the weekend. I was like, hey, what do you think the line is there? Is it better to like go jump left and bank before the bridge or jump right and try to hold it to the bridge and he was like well angel just jumped two bike lengths further than everyone else and downsided (laughs) right before the bridge you should just do that (laughs) i was like yeah i don't think i'm gonna be doing that and then watching it on the on the on the tv at the bottom when he was coming down it was like yeah he he did jump two bike lengths further than everybody else so yeah it was sweet he looked good like two Like the whole course, as we were saying, is like two distinctly different sections, and he attacked both of them and thought he rode both very well. So uh, yeah, well deserved result for Angel, and yeah, it's cool to see him doing well. Like when when I was on the team with him on YT, I think there was five years that he was on YT, and he only ever got to do two seasons because of injuries, and that could make a lot of people give up. And to see him like work through that and and like believe in himself enough that someday like he thought he could be good enough to get on the podium or win a race and to put in all the work through those tough years and then come out on the other end and actually be a constant top 10 guy and get podiums and do a ride like yesterday it's really cool to see that pay off
0: for sure yeah awesome good work angel and someone's going to be very happy to get the sixth place monkey off their back Danny Hart's been very consistently getting sixth recently and eighth in Fort William where he's a bit under the weather and finally back closer to where I'm sure he wants to be second place. That was a hell of a run and looked like it might be the winner for a wee while there. Eh, Elliot?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, there used to always be talk about these type of tracks where it's like, ah, this is a Danny Hart track and, <laughs> and stuff like that. So I'm glad that he showed people that, uh, that, yeah, it is a, still a Danny Hart track. I, um, I did get to talk to him and you know I I said y- you know you're in fourth place coming into this race and people haven't really been talking about you and he like shook his head and he's like yeah like I feel like I'm kind of like an underdog and it's been uh it's been a year and a half since I've been on the podium and there's been like a lot of tough conversations with you know this cube team and like you have a new bike and you know, you're expected to win. And so that's been, uh, I think that's been hard, like kind of the same thing that uh, Nico was saying about Angel. Like you have to keep believing in yourself uh, after you get, right? Like he won those three World Cups in a row and then world champ and like all this stuff. And same with Angel, like coming back from injury and actually same with uh, Matt Walker too, right? Like you win the overall and then the next year you don't really do much. So and then not having won a World Cup as well, so yeah, I felt like the top three were like this amazing story, and it's it's just so good to see Danny back up there. I I I like to see him do well. He's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. His runs are great. Good celebrations, like yeah. it feels good when he does good
0: for sure. Yeah, it's exciting to watch. And yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Matt Walker, and uh, yeah, a, a rough season for him after that 2020 overall win, but he's just kind of. Believed in himself, quietly worked his way back to where he knows he can be. I spoke to him briefly after Fort William and he was pretty happy with set, stepping onto the podium there. But yeah, to come down in that run, in those conditions, put it together for his first ever World Cup win, obviously goes away a happy man. Nico, did you get the chance to see that that uh, that run? What were your thoughts on that? He mentioned afterwards that he'd made a bold tyre choice. I don't know what that might have been. but
1: Maybe semi-slick's. but uh no i saw his run it looked really aggressive um and and he's like so committed on the bike when you see him riding he's like pushing into ruts or, or or spots that might not have a ton of grip with like like he's on a pump track and it's cool to see somebody riding with that level of commitment and normally when you commit like that it does work out more times than not so it's cool to see him be so aggressive and and I, I think like you said, last year he had a tough year. I think he was outside the top twenty at this race last year, and then to turn that around and win the race this year is is really cool. And I think it's awesome for for Will's team too. Like winning both races with guys that he developed since they were little kids. Like he didn't go out and say, like, oh hey, Amari Pyron, how much will it cost for you to ride for my team? He found these guys when they were young and helped them and developed them into now having the winner in both elite men and junior at the world cup so i think it's a really cool story that way and um, and a great effort by everybody involved
0: yeah very true and then the man who it wasn't quite to be for this weekend benoit coulange put down i think the first time he's ever qualified first at a world cup and was on a heater of a run um, and then it just started to unwind itself a bit in the uh, lower down the hill Elliot, it was uh, kind of sad to see but I I suspect Bomer will be back.
2: Yeah for sure. I uh I wanted him to win so bad. <laughs> I uh, I saw him last night and I was just like you know he was he was like ah like I was close like and I was like man just keep doing whatever you're doing like you are one of the I would say top 3 4 riders in the world like consistently so yeah he's it's gonna happen for him uh and i yeah i love you love to see it
0: yeah for sure and a couple of other riders that we expect to see up there that weren't quite where they'd want to be loris vergier had a, another not perfect weekend and then Thibaut de prela had a crash which i saw on his instagram he said he didn't really understand it look, looked like a bit of a slip on that kind of off camber coming across the woods nico is that is that something that makes sense to you having seen it from the from the bottom of the hill? Um,
1: yeah, it's hard to say exactly what happened. Um, another guy that just rides so committed and and when you get a little bit off and it does bite you here and there, um, in a section like that, it's easy to, to crash because of it. So I think when you're pushing that hard, you're on the bottom, like you're two and a half minutes into your run, heart rate's at the max, and you're trying to ride this – tire with rut at full speed down a 50% grade like it's it's going to be difficult um and this happen so um I, I don't know you don't need to fully understand like exactly what little thing you did wrong you're going to fix next time it's just like you're racing all out sometimes you crash and that's the price you pay for for doing business
0: fair comment all right well, let's just quickly wrap up with a summary of the overall so Phoebe's uh, now within five points of Gracie Hemstreet in the uh, junior women's, so that battle's tight. Jordan now takes the lead of the junior men's overall, but he's only five points ahead of Jackson. So, <laughs>
2: so he was he was wearing the leader's jersey all night last night. Like it was <laughs> like you know two a.m. or whatever, and like you know we're just hanging out, and he's <laughs> me and Luca were like, "You still have on the leader's jersey." I like I thought he had on his kit and he's like, No, 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 just the leader jersey. Like, I'm just <laughs> wearing it. And I was like, Fair enough, I would be wearing the leader jersey as well.
0: Nice, good man. I like that commitment. Uh Cami took the perfect score from the weekend of 250 points. She's now sitting 130 points ahead of Miriam in the women's. And uh Amory retains the lead of the men's, but he's only now 140 points ahead of Matt Walker in second. So still all to be played for, I think, in pretty much all the categories but definitely getting tight getting tougher anyway in the in the men's and women's elites before we sign off elliot lit kit award where are we sending that this week there was a few nice ones on the hill
2: there was um i don't know if you guys have an opinion because i uh i forgot to really like dig into it but like i was saying so i don't want to i don't want to like maybe i'll defer to you on this one <laughs> but my, Did you see my Chris pick-
1: crisis kit he had on a specialized kit that had like uh I don't know some sort of distressed, like cracked look to it. That was pretty cool.
0: All right, well there you go. Chris, <laughs> Chris christ gets nice. the win. <laughs> nice one. I yeah, like I didn't the see that on, the, yeah, on the coverage.
1: Looks pretty cool. The stuff that they've been wearing this year.
0: All right, we'll have to try and get a photo of that because uh, I haven't seen that, but I'll have it. I'll scan the internet for it. Nice one. All right, well thank you very much. It's been uh, super interesting catching up once again. It was an awesome race to watch. And I look forward to seeing you both in person in a a couple of weeks in Lenserhide for round four. Sounds good. All right, that's it for this episode with Elliot and Nico. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to head over to Pinkbike, put in your fantasy league team and join the Downtime Podcast League to be part of the competition over the season. We'll keep an update of how the league is going on the podcast. A massive thanks to Maxxis for supporting this season. Maxxis have incredible tyres for you, no matter how or where you ride, so head over to Maxxis.com or visit your local Maxxis dealer and check them out. I'm currently running the DHR Max Terra in the back and the Asagai Max grip with the new Exo Plus casing up front, and I'm loving that combo. There's a few other links here that might be useful to you. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch. And forward slash EP if you'd like a copy of the first issue of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today. Until next time, get out and ride.